Alright gentlemen, welcome, gentlemen and ladies I guess, welcome to Professional Goblins Podcast. I'm Scott Gladstein and with me today is my co-host, Mike Myler. And joining and, us uh, today is Alex Shanksable. Fantastic, fantastic. Sorry about the uh, intermittent logging in today guys, there was a bit of a problem on my end with our software, but otherwise I think we're ready to go guys, what do you think? I think so. Maybe. Not a seer. I don't know the future. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we could totally screw up once again, but uh, that that's the excitement <laughs> of doing this live. Oh boy! Something something Murphy's law. Oh yeah. So um, today I don't think we're doing a review, are we, Mike? We don't. Uh, Robert never got us anything, so um, instead I was just gonna say that I'm going to Origins. I'm excited, and if you're gonna be there, let me know. I'll be there Friday from like. 11 in the morning until uh, probably about 11 at night, and then we're going to drive back. Columbus is only three, three and a half hours from Pittsburgh, so, yeah. Awesome. That's yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've never been to Origins. And I might do Gen Con. I'm going to find out if I'm doing Gen Con at Origins. <laughs> uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like a number of people are considering Origins over Gen Con since Gen Con's been exploding lately. <laughs> yeah, dude. Last year was insane, and the year before that I was like, oh, I can't possibly get any bigger than this. And the year before that I was <laughs> like, oh my god, what's happening? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, if I do Gen Con, it's gonna be because someone's, like, paying me per DM and driving me out there and stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just went last year, and that was easily a good year of money. Uh, I won't say poured down the drain, but pretty close to that. Yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, man, you, you, drop a, you drop a cool, you know, amount of money on that every year. And uh, unless unless you're making that back there, it's it's pretty hard. And especially with as hard as it is to get tables. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I wasn't, want... I wasn't too surprised when they turned down me after I found out they turned down uh, John from the SRD. Oh, yeah, the getting booths at Gen Con's insane. They have a... They, Unsurprisingly, have this really gamey system the way you go about it, and seniority and being there in previous years is is all the all the difference. Oh you really? You can't join up for booths because I think it's max two companies to a booth, and it, you have to pay extra for it, and it's it's nuts. It's crazy. Hmm. Yeah. But the dealers room Gen Con is insane. So yeah. That's how uh, that's how a lot of cons are though. Like uh, Phoenix Comic Con does the same thing. Um, oh yeah. You can't if you don't have a booth in the previous year. You go into a lottery sometimes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's oh. A, I think Gen Con is a lottery. Yeah, yeah. So don't base your business on it because you never had. <laughs> and load in, roll D six. Like, I've had to do load in before, and it's uh, how long did we wait? I want to say it was a two and a half hour affair to load in a TV and maybe ten boxes. We um we With, did you know should have been five minutes. <laughs> but so we did we did a gamma one year gamma trade and um oh that was a nightmare that's a story for another day um but we got in because they had some like super cheap like lotto system you can get in for like indie companies and i was like all right we'll put our name in there and we didn't find out until like a month before that we were going Jeez, and we're like all right guys we're putting all the money in and, oh god i covered oh hi Kirk. how you doing buddy my dog wants so to I guess a, a little bit for my sake and maybe for other third-party people that are listening in, do you guys have like general guidelines that you do for determining which con is worth trying to go to and which one is uh, maybe too small to go to? 
Well, I guess finding the balance between huge and tiny. Paizocon is a great place to go if you want to do Pathfinder, uh, but it's all the way in Seattle. So for me, <laughs> it is an enormous expense to go because I have to yep. go across the entire freaking country. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, if you want to work for Paizo or if you want to get into third party stuff with Pathfinder, that's where you'll obviously that's a good place to go. Uh, Wizards is a little weird because they've kind of they've been like uh, we're kind of fucking abandoning cons. Uh, there'll be Adventures League stuff, and that's <laughs> it. Like they're not a Gen Con anymore, uh, which is crazy. Yeah, that was Lulf weird. Thing. Yeah, dude. Right? I was like, I kept expecting <laughs> to turn and see Lolf there, and she just wasn't. So, um, Mike, I think it's something to do with like what you're talking about. How it's kind of become a branding exercise, and what do they care? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. So if you're trying to do fifth ed, uh, third party, that's that's rough. If you're trying to do indie, uh, actually, I think the best place to go. I mean, Gen Con is not bad, uh, but it's a huge sea of people. If you're trying to do indie, I would go to Metatopia in. Um, I know it's a garbage dump, but in New Jersey, um, <laughs> I think it's <laughs> beautiful. Um, I didn't hear that. One of, one of the ones I would suggest is um, go to your local con. I know that sounds bad, but I know that's not a really yeah. specific thing, but. If they're small, if I don't care if it has fifty people, I don't care if it has two hundred people, go get. It doesn't if it doesn't cost you much. Mm-hmm. You know, worst that happens is oh darn, I got exposure and I spent a day playing games with people. I ended up getting one of my favorite artists uh, when I was doing like reporting for Takoshokan, which is an anime convention, and I didn't even meet the artist. I met his dad, and his dad was like, "Oh, my son does drawings. You want to see?" And I like looked, and I was like, "Okay." These aren't bad, you know. Like, what's uh, it? And he's like, "Oh, he's about to graduate high school and stuff." And like, here I am, four years later, and I, I paid this kid thousands of dollars for art. You know, <laughs> like, that's how it always works. To watch him get better is amazing too. Cause he's, yeah, all the other artists are jealous sure. of how fast he's getting better. But um, yeah, yeah, go to local cons, even if it's just to to meet artists and other fellow creative folk in the uh, in the area. Yeah, any uh, particular chance that either of you r- live roughly close to Texas? I just moved here somewhat recently, and I have zero idea what's around here. Oh, I'm in Lord. Arizona. Um, the uh, wh- wh- uh, what's it called? Winter Fantasy. Yeah, Winter Fantasy. That's up in okay. um, shit, Missouri or something. It's 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 generally in the Midwest towards the South part. I remember sure. that. I think maybe not. I could be remembering that entirely wrong. Well, certainly closer than Seattle or New Jersey. Yes, <laughs> definitely closer than Seattle or New Jersey. It's just going to be straight shot north for you. Um, I mean, I don't know. Arizona is not that far away from Texas. It's, it's only two states. But yeah. those, are, those are still two massive states. Yeah it, yeah, it only takes 10 hours to go from one end of Texas to the other, yep. the short way. <laughs> we, um, but no, but we have PCC, Phoenix Comic Con, which is that big one. They have a gaming room. Um, there's a few other ones. There's one I didn't even know existed called Crit Hit, and apparently they had, like, a whole room. I was like... Sounds more like a British sport than a con. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> anyway, you guys want to wanna move on to the first topic? Yeah, yeah. I'll, sure, I'll but it's a little too bad you guys aren't doing reviews. I mean, I brought my horse head and everything. Oh my god, really? Oh man. Oh my god, really? You told us we would have. You just you know practicing on my review. horse voice all day. But <laughs> to videos. Oh. All right. So you, at the end, on. at the end, you have like a um, you have like ten like a segment at the end where you can do something. You better do it with the horse head on. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I have seen a lot of horses cooking in my life, so I'll be sure to do that one. <laughs> they have a refined cool. palate. <laughs> a large palate that counts for something. So anyway, guys, our first segment here today, I mean, I guess second, technically, is uh, we're talking about our favorite character, either in a, either that we've played or someone else has played in a game we're currently in, or, barring that, a lesson we've learned, kind of a, a story, either the GM or a player, where we learned a lesson. Hmm. So, um, either of you guys want to go first? Uh, I'll let uh, Mike go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, first, let's let's get the honorable mention for Fringe and um, and the rest of her adventuring party, because the one of the dudes in my group uh, illustrates uh, his his gaming groups, so he illustrated our party, and uh, Fringe is freaking awesome. Although I thought there was not enough blood and poop, so I added blood and poop to her. Mike, do you have that? Uh, do you have that image available somewhere? It's in the professional goblins document under. Will, oh, right there! I will grab that and put it up on the screen for you. Bolded. Yeah, I can't yeah. say I've seen a character portrait with a uh, poop on it recently. I mean, you're so missing I'd love out. To check that out. <laughs> that, that is... Oh yeah, dude, she's awesome. And uh, in the group portrait, you can see her bag of intestines because she's an artificer. But I didn't want her to be like a technological artificer, so she's like a Cronenberg artificer. <laughs> yeah, right and that is yeah. the whole group there. That is well, pretty that's, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what the, the dogs were before she got her own actual walking chicken hut, she had a dog sled she put a dog house on and then just like bags of fat to grease the rails. That's really gross. And then just like a dozen dogs that are, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, Fringe is awesome. But well, uh, no, I wanted to talk about Sir Corbus Dash. So uh, when I play a D&D 5e, I'd like to use the who the fuck is my D&D character generator, which I'm sure we are all familiar with. Of course. Yeah, like, I've had some amazing characters from that. Uh, <laughs> so this one was like a somber, half-off paladin guy. So I made Sir Corbus Dash, and I decided he was, like, formerly an, or an orphan and, and like, schemed his way into being a knight of Termish, because Termish was, like, the furthest place away from where the party was. So if anybody was going to find out, you know... And uh, he, I did good, and I tried to play like a noble knight, uh, which is a little bit against my play style. And uh, he got just TPK'd in 5e by the rule of numbers. Because ah. for some reason, the GM was like, oh, it says 15 orcs in this random encounter. We've only got three adventurers today, but yeah, 15 orcs doesn't sound so bad. And then, yeah, it was like one round. <laughs> I've learned that knights have a knack for dying quickly. So you never have to worry too much about developing a story when you're rolling up a knight. Well, it's just too bad. It, like, he had just, like, met this this knight lady, this dame, and totally banged her, and was gonna get into actual knighthood by marrying her, right? Like, proper royalty, mm -hmm. before anyone realized his ruse, and then the next day, literally the next day, he's cut down by a horde of horse. Like, that sounds poetic. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have named him Sir Corbus Dash. I should have named him, like, Brent Knightley or something, and then it would have been <laughs> Even more mundane, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I and this time instead of doing the random character, I I looked at all the different stuff because I was like, okay, well, we need a spellcaster because we don't have a full spellcaster, and we're getting so. Um, I just looked around at the sorcerer things until I found one I liked, which was the shadow one, uh, which you, you get to like summon a hound, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's oh. like a spectral hound that like you know attacks people, and then you get dark vision, and uh, I hate playing characters without dark vision because it's just <laughs> yeah annoying. Yeah. yeah, 
Turns out a torch can often ruin the element of surprise. Oh, yeah. I intend to make him very silly and, like, try to convince people that his shadow magic is, like, shadow puppetry. Right? So be like, <laughs> oh, he's a shadow mage. And he'll be like, yes, watch! And then light a torch and then make, like, hand puppets on the wall. Yeah. Very fun. On the sly about my evil magic. <laughs> and that's my story. This is what I'm playing now. So, Alex, you got something? Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit difficult. I'm uh, currently in five so-called weekly games. Oh wow! But uh, but that's it's more like uh, four and a half uh, tri-weekly games. Okay. But uh, I suppose if I had to go with somebody, I would have to go with uh, Mr. Doc, Professor, Commissioner, Deputy, Captain Dennis Legrand. Okay. Uh, his friends call him Boots. This is how you name a character like this. <laughs> well, it's it's something that gets a new title every three sessions. Oh, I totally agree. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, he's a, he's the captain of a specific uh, spacefaring game that may or may not be coming out somewhat soonish. We would and, have no uh, idea what that's called at all. So. No. Oh. Uh, he was a uh, somebody who is he's the captain of the Caballero. Formerly known as the Plantation Station, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I don't often draw inspiration from random generator stuff. Usually, I'm able to get a uh, good amount of inspiration just by driving around in the South. And uh, <laughs> on, on our way to Houston, Texas, uh, when we were moving here, we passed by a small town in Louisiana with a billboard with just a giant boot on it. And uh, the sign was for getting boots on the ground. Uh, the it's for Commissioner uh, Dennis Boots Legrand, and just your your very typical like, my name's Dennis Boots Legrand, and let's get those boots on the ground. <laughs> and so I decided to roll him up as a uh, a uh, Western captain that embodies uh, just about everything that I hate, which. Uh, <laughs> makes a lot of, makes it a lot of fun when he gets a grenade to the face. Cathartic. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, so, uh, this, uh, I talked about this last week, but like the this five E group that I'm in loves to kill or betray my characters. Yep, yep. So far they're up to like <laughs> five or six. So I just stopped making characters that I was very fond of and I was just like, we'll just make random characters. And then I'll become fond of them, and then you can kill them off. Yeah. Awesome. Empathy makes it better yeah. or worse. Yeah, I found that making uh, hateable characters is uh, way easier, too. <laughs> so it's a lot, a lot easier to channel that which you hate. I retired uh, priest Cletus Longtoe, uh, who was, of course, a proselytizer of Jeepus Crisp, before they could kill or betray him, because I was like, I want this one back at some point. <laughs> No, no, keep him over here. I was like, a halfling that worships a dead god and his cult's gone a hundred years now? Like, oh, yeah. I could do this. And he carries around the Holy Bibble, and yeah. I get you with the hating character part. It can be very fun. Yeah, definitely. So you were mentioning uh, titles. Uh, my most, I will say, famous or infamous character is Rut Mad Kill. Um, I found his character sheet recently. Sounds like Laserface. Uh, he is Rut Mad Kill, scion of... You're talking about titles. So he was... Lord Rut Madkill, Scion of 
Rut Mad Kill Kill Mad the Elder. Um, and then he had some other titles, but he was an orc lord and stuff oh. like that. But um, so I, I found I found I his character sheet. Battle cry. I can't stop thinking of like Rocket Raccoon responding to this dude's name. <laughs> yeah, Taser Face. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, I remember Mike? You didn't like that movie very much. I mean, there were occasional moments where okay. the what I assume was the original script did not get mucked with by contract negotiations between agents. So um, so my story this week is I actually I actually have a game I played recently, um, and it is. A game we played for a few weeks on uh, some, some playtest material, but we had a plot and everything. Um, and it was... This is the story of the really positive cleric. Or RPC. RPC, he had some name, I don't remember what it was. He was a pre-made, but I just had him as a, as a cleric. And he was chaotic good. But, you know there's normally like, lawful stupid? He was good stupid. Um, really positive cleric was really positive about everything. Like, when the dragon hit the other guys, he'd be like, great job, I can see you're really improving. Um, and was just great about everything. He's like, oh, you picked that lock so well. And they're like, you, you hate me breaking rules. Yeah, but you did a great job. I can see that you've really put some effort into that skill. And um, he's just being so nice the entire time. We get into this room, and there's a collector. It's a thing coming out in a book. Um, and it goes, oh, I see the... Um, I, I Guys... There's like a torch in the room. There's some undead beyond that. There's some, they look like skeletons. They're kind of clanking. I mean, not sure how you guys didn't see them. And the cleric just sits there and he's like, he's really positive. And he goes, did you say undead? And they just all looked at him like, <laughs> and, they, and then one of them looks at him and he goes, wait, your character sheet says you're a woman. And he just goes, I sexually identify as an undead killing machine. And round one, he books it up to the center of like, Five or six skeletons. There's like one square where he could have made it in, and he makes it in because he went before them. And he drops a po channel positive energy and knocks them all down to like half HP. And I'm just like, yeah. And then they go, and they one round him. Uh, they don't. Not even. Oh. He just like runs up. He's like, I'm an, a sexual identify as an undead killing machine. Runs up, bah, and then just gets beat down and just <laughs> drop and just like. Contribute to nothing for the rest of the massively overrolled fight. Like there were three of us, and we were talking about rolling too many things. We rolled, I think, like eight or nine skeletal champions. Maybe it was more than that, and we had like three of us, um, plus the including the cleric. So there was two of the players trying to fight down eight of them. So we finally were just like, you know, that random rogue that a ranger you guys had with you, and they're like, no. I'm like, he's here now. <laughs> <laughs> so they fought that, they fought a hag, and then they fought a little black, a, uh, a black dragon was like a, was CR, we were CR6, so I think it's a young black dragon in Pathfinder, and um, the cleric keeps healing everybody, because he's really positive and just loves everyone, and he keeps healing everyone, including the dragon, because he doesn't have selective channel, <laughs> and they're like, we dealt 12 damage and you healed him for 11. I'm like, but he only dealt eight, and I healed you for all of it. And so you're the, doing a great job, guys. Yeah, he was just like, no, guys, I really appreciate the effort you're putting in. Um, I can see you guys are really struggling. Let me give you a hand. You're like, no, wait. <laughs> um, but they, they convinced him to stop after a while. Um, but, yeah, it, really positive cleric is just my favorite character now. I want to run him in a few more games. Just like giving thumbs up to the bad guys. I might, I might have guys. to steal the idea myself. Oh, by, by all like means. By all means. 
Yeah. <laughs> I really positive Paladin too at one point, but he wasn't quite that good. He couldn't heal the enemy as effectively as a Paladin. Yeah, but it was more because the setting was like very abstract. It was like, you guys are now D and D characters in a game world, and I'm like. I wrote a religion kind of history thing. for this guy. He's a folk hero. He's fifth at D and D, and he's like a... and there was like absolute definable good and evil mob, D, like MMO stuff, and it was like no, he yeah. couldn't really work so well. I think I might do that as a warlock, and then have him like lie to people, and then be like, "Your trusting, your your, your willingness to trust others does you credit." And... <laughs> just just kill him with kindness, literally. Yeah, go all rogue warlock on it. Yeah, I think I might do that. Oh man, I gotta next month. I I I told the story. I'm not for today. I, Mike, did I tell the story about the uh, fourth ed where I had the cleric who was actually a rogue? Um, if not, that'll come maybe. up next week. That sounds like a thing you do in fourth ed, though. It was. All right. Well, what are we, what are we doing? Uh, oh, favorite working project. Yeah. Da da da. Uh, this guy finally came out, uh, but not the D and D five E version, but the uh, which Alex has, and we'll talk about briefly. Uh, but the Shadow of the Demon Lord version uh, just came out today, the PDF anyway. So no, it's, uh, an, it's an alright book. Yeah, it's an alright book. Yeah. I think it's okay. Does, does okay. it feel like a like a nineteen eighties trauma movie? <laughs> yeah, if a nineteen eighties trauma movie was uh, very dark and sinister. Oh, trauma, trauma. It's a. Don't, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm making fun of Robert Brooks. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, I spent a long. I, I actually only spent a week converting it, and then I got a lot of help from Demon Lord people who were like, you did this this way, and it could be done this way better, and within line the other rules. And also, this rule exists over here in this book, and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, I spent I don't know, two months polishing up the copy, three months. And I put it in layout, and then I couldn't get back to it because it wasn't like. Um, it wasn't a job like I had money for. It was something I did. I converted it like you know over Christmas to New Year's, just because I I wanted to have it done. And um, yeah, and I'm just happy to get it out. And uh, it's perfect for Shadow of the Deep. Um, yeah, I don't know. Pretty stoked. For you guys, if you don't know what he's talking about, it's Mist of Akuma conversion for Shadow of the Demon Lord. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Mist of Akuma, Eastern fantasy noir steampunk. So think like like Ravenloft plus Warhammer 40k plus Afro Samurai. And uh, and you're there. All good things. Right on. Yeah. No, I love it. And uh, I don't know. I, I finished writing an adventure for it the other the other week too, which is another thing I just like squeeze in. And I'm really stoked because I got uh, to get the artwork for uh, Erica to er, uh, I want to pronounce it right. Erica Terra Warriors, uh, which are my hobgoblins, are basically um, basically space marines. In Silverin, they don't okay. go into space, but they wear like you know augmented armor and stuff. Nice. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I was really happy to finally like, I've been wanting to make that art order since we did the book because I only figured out like that's what the hobgoblins were near the end of the the layout process. Because mm. uh, I was I just oh they're militaristic and I just had them in, like in the background and I was like oh my god that's right I can do mm. this and that no no, but it was way too late to get an art order for it. So it had to wait until I could work one into a story and, and so on. Yeah. And then try to knock, uh, not ruin all of the layout by inserting a tiny piece of art. 
Oh yeah, that never happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you saw the books layout. I'm 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 crazy about my layout. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but mm, yeah, and in the Shadow of the Demon Lord version, I actually got to use way more art because excuse me because um his stat blocks are really tiny in their formatting size, it's like size eight text and stuff. Huh. Um, so yeah, the one the last Void Dragon page just has like three dragons swirling around the stat block. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> what else we got? Who, who's, 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 who's next? Alex, you want to go? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so a book that we're going to get rolling real soon here is uh, Imaginary Friends. And this is going to be uh, more on the cute side of things. Uh, basically, we're going to be hiring about uh, five or six writers uh, that are parents of young children who are going to get their kids to basically turn in uh, a little kid drawing or whatever of some sort of imaginary monster that they drew, and then their parents are going to stat out the imaginary monster. <laughs> I love it. And, That's very cool. And, and basically have like a, a stat out like a base form for this uh, creature to basically be this thing that protects a kid. And all of the base forms are going to be the same, except augmented by the child's age a little bit. But then we'll let the child's parents basically have stat blocks for what it does when it goes into effectively rage mode, if you will. So, nice. you know, like if the kid wants to do a praying mantis with 50 heads or anything like that, and basically as a way to reward kids for having more extravagant and weird ideas. So. A kid who just imagines a uh, a koala bear. No offense to Australians, but you know, it wouldn't be that tough versus some weird kaiju thing. Yeah, that's an awesome idea, man. Yeah, we're gonna. Spider, we're gonna kind of be moving our company more towards quirky, cutesy stuff. So we're gonna try to dip our toe into making sort of more kid-centric stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's about all I know from it right now. <laughs> um, Do you know who your artists are going to be? I mean, little kids, clearly. Yeah, the children. <laughs> oh, you're not going to have like a professional artist take their, their kid drawing and make it into it? Uh, well, we part of the reason we thought up this idea was trying to think of what we could do with a really low art budget. Ah. And... Yeah, we're trying to make this a, a series that foc that uses mostly like 1800s public domain bicycle pictures, if you will, and, and or stuff that, I don't know, I guess kid drawings is one idea. Okay. Not the kids so we don't get in trouble with child labor laws. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one thing I, I know, weird spare time thing I do. Um, is I go hunt through public domain and Creative Commons stuff. Um, I posted something about it the other day, too. But I've been doing it for years. Um, I have, like, shit I would... I, I Once I have that project for it, I'm just like, guys, I have art, like, Jack Holiday-level art here I'm going to put in this book from the public domain. Um, but um, that's a hobby I do. So literally some of our books are like, oh that's some gorgeous artwork I'm like yeah I totally got that for zero dollars 
I, did, I spent literally four hours on Sunday uh, sorting and getting stuff. I got a bunch of stuff today. Um, which actually awesome. kind of leads me into... I guess I'll talk about that. Mm-hmm. So, this is a project we're not officially officially working on yet, because we're not allowed to officially work on it yet. Um, we're working on a utopian sci-fi setting. Um, think very, like... I know it's not quite as utopian, but think like Babylon 5, um, Star Trek, kind of exploration stuff. We did a bit of it with Pioneer, but... I'm just human... kind of going with that thing. I saw you post a while ago about how you wanted to move away from the yep. easy, dark stuff that everybody's doing. Yep. Yep. We're looking at... Um, it's going to be D20. We're pretty sure. We're about 75% sure. Um, we want to do it for Starfinder. It might be a Starfinder and something else um, setting, but we want to have that book out before we officially work on that. But most of the mechanics are worked out. Um... And most of the infrastructure and a lot of the art assets are done. Um, it is going to be bonkers when it's done, but it's basically a D20 system that doesn't focus on combat. Combat provides so, you very little reward. So are you going to be making basically new cl- classes, like basically building that from the ground up, or are you still going to yeah. try to work it, with, like, okay? It has its own advancement system, kind of. There's effectively one class. Um, there might be broken out into other ones, but I'm pretty sure we're just sticking with the way you do it. Um, it's going to be like, that's why I said it's going to be much more D20 than it's going to be, um, I can literally go Pathfinder, you know what I mean? But if, seeing how Starfinder does a few things, we might adjust things to fit in there and do that. Um, but skills, um, which are being reworked and knowledges and everything are going to be much more of a thing. Like they're going to have tangible effects on a regular basis and solving problems with those skills on a regular basis, like on a turn-by-turn basis, is going to be a thing. So, so not just winning somebody's favor from a single diplomacy role. Oh, totally. No, there's a lot of stuff with that. Um, there's a lot more focus on ship and cooperative play. Like, just by having certain people in certain positions on a ship, that actually deals a lot with like hierarchies and whatever. Um, you get certain bonuses, so you want someone in the di- diplomatic department because, hey, they get this bonus where they can ignore this big penalty that everyone else would normally have if you have a player character in there because you know on a a ship on a show like star trek if there's no medical officer who's a character oh my god medical's dead you know doesn't matter if they're the nurse it's just the players have a lot of agency in it um and we have some really cool like deck layouts and stuff we're doing like very in depth um with some really cool artwork Uh, a lot of it's public domain some of it's not um but yeah it's it's something we've been, I, me personally, I've been working on with our, within our studio. People have been commenting on it, but I have docs and docs and docs, and once Starfinder comes out, it'll be a conversion we're working on. And I really wanted to see the utopian sci-fi, the you don't need to shoot every alien you see. <laughs> um, that's the bad result, is if you go, guys, we done fucked up, and we pissed off everyone. Oh God, oh God, oh God, we could probably die. This is the roll to stabilize instead of roll to kill something, you know? Okay. But yeah, that's what I'm working on. Yeah, that sounds super cool. Do you have like a current uh, blog or something that discusses that? Discusses that because I've been totally looking for like, kind of a, a a peaceful RPG, if you will. Um, not presently. Um, okay. I talk about it on here. Um, but <laughs> I I actually did an AMA on um, asking anything on Reddit for a bit on a world building site, and I couldn't talk about it that much because I didn't want to. 
This is the first time I'm talking about it in public, I think. Um, but it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, it would actually work really well as its own system, but I kind of want to toss it in with the D20 because it would be more accessible to people, I think. Yeah. I think people are more likely to check out something if it has that compatibility logo on it, yep. for better or worse. Yeah. A, a lot of times people don't get the difference between designing for yourself and designing for an audience. And sometimes that means designing for a system that maybe isn't perfect for it, but hey, guess what? It'll get people able to read it, able to play it, likely to read it, likely to play it. So, I don't for know, sure. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that is one of the toughest decisions you have to make when you're designing either a subsystem or a setting is to be like, well, do we build things from the bottom up? Do we go with something that's kind of lesser known, like like the gumshoe mm -hmm. system or whatever, or do we just throw it in with Starfinder or Pathfinder and work it out convolutedly just because we know that there's, I'm just throwing out a number, but 10 times the audience for Pathfinder mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, that was one of the issues we had when we converted over uh, Necropunk. When we wrote the Necropunk rules was, so we want to do this idea, or here, we want to do this idea over here, but Pathfinder is a fantasy setting. We want to do a biotech, sci-fi, diplomacy-focused future with living machines and this and that, and we're going to convert all the starship rules and all of this, and it was really like trying to like fit a square peg into a round hole, but... It worked out pretty well, actually. We got a lot of positive feedback on the on the mechanical implementation, which I thought was fun. <sighs> okay, sorry. Uh, we just we just the book of Exalted Darkness just funded, and I had to do stuff. Woo! Right on. Hell yes. yeah, Mike! You guys, we did this on air. Remember that? This is legendary, man. It funded You're while welcome. we were on air. <laughs> Congrats, Mike! You can eat for the next six months, maybe. Uh maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. a bit much. Uh, eat for a little bit. Uh, most of that money is actually going to Indy Martin uh, and other people. Oh, wow. Indy gets the biggest chunk of money by far. Because I'm going to order so much fucking dope-ass art, you have no idea. Oh, it's going to take a t like a two-hour meeting just for her and I to to settle on how much and where. And Yeah, I'm very, very, very excited about it. Because she is so good. I can ask her to do anything, and she can do it, which is amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, all right. Sorry. No, man, that's yeah, awesome. Go mute, but like I had to do it immediately. All right. Uh, so you yeah, guys are favorite... talking about subsystems and and many other things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't. Well, hopefully, you had the we funded update already <laughs> to go. Uh, I do not, but I will do it as soon as the show is over. Awesome, awesome, uh, man. I did tweets cool. and shares and all that stuff though. So, so our uh, our next topic is favorite pro new project that is not yours. Not mine. Not yours. Mike, I know you want to talk about yours. You can talk about that again in the Kickstarter section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the one I want to talk about is kind of mine, but that's kind of what I want to talk about because it's like... All right, so uh, another Kickstarter from a couple years ago called uh, the What's Oldest New Kickstarter did very well. Is done by Ian World and Russ Morrissey. And um, at one point, he was asking people, like, what should I do for stretch goals? And I was like, you should hire me to write this thing uh, to go in the middle of your old and new, and we'll call it now. It'll be about modern, like, action RPGs kind of stuff. And we settled on, like, 1980s-style A-Team, Super Spy, Street Vigilantes, Martial Arts. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, so I, I like, uh, I pounded out the manuscript. Like, I did a whole bunch of research. I Actually, that was one of the coolest coolest parts. And I worked in stuff that you never see in other RPGs, like Pancration, which is the, the like... Come again. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's what you call me? P P A N K R A T I O N. Pankration. It was um uh what's the guy? Cleopatra, um I weep because there are no more lands yet to conquer. Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was supposed to invent it. It was a martial art used in in, in the Roman era to uh basically wrestle but it had this really important part where like at the start of the fight you had to be very wary of somebody kicking you like directly in the gut and like there's a bunch of moves just all about opening up with a kick to the gut um <laughs> yeah so i did a lot of research and stuff like that and i, I made martial arts systems and all this stuff and then he spent like two years play testing the, the core systems that all my stuff was based off of mm-hmm. so and like I've seen the stuff that he's doing, and, and my you know I can still definitely see where where I was, and what's been changed. But yeah, it's kind of interesting to like because it was a huge freaking project. It was like a hundred thousand words. It was a core system. Wow. Yeah, it was a it was ambitious, um, and uh, it's it's exciting and weird to see like okay, well obviously this worked out and you like this, and okay, well that went away. I kind of I kind of felt that way about that. I'm not that surprised, but mm. uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really fun, and uh, I don't know. I didn't think it was gonna take that long and change that much when I turned it in. Otherwise, I would have like waited to turn it in, you know. I um related to that martial art. So I was studying. I did I did Jeet Kune Do for a while, and they had a lot of uh, Kali in it. And there's a style, a sub style within Kali. And the name translates to like uh, it means like K. It translates to biting and pinching. It is an art entirely based around shoot, like biting people, and like where you can bite them and what, what part of your teeth and stuff. Like, how do you chew through a man's nipple? How do you bite off a man's eyebrow? You know, like ears. Here's how. Are they delicious? And apparently, like they chew, they they practice by like eating like like chewing steak and stuff, like raw steak. And I'm like, oh my god, that's that's gross. Crazy. Wonderful. I, I remember this. There's this, I read, I used to like sometimes read the Kung Fu magazines and stuff, mm. and there was this dude, uh, that really interested me because like, legitimately, new styles of, of Kung Fu are, pretty hard to come by at this point, man. Yeah, it's yeah. been like six thousand years, but this guy, uh, I guess, as, he was like a messenger when he was a kid, and he just like roll around the streets and just punch the wall all day, mm-hmm. all day, and now he's got these huge calluses. He's he's got his own martial arts style, which is basically make your fucking fists into into brass knuckles of of skin. But yeah, I was like, whoa! They're called scuckles, skin awesome. knuckles, scuckles. Yeah, dude, that's gross. I was like, that's hardcore. That's how you you like you are you are making a statement when you decide to do that. Like, I wouldn't fuck with that guy. Look at my Oof. hands; they are made of man meat. They resemble yeah. nothing so much as gorillas' paws. These will destroy you. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally take somebody seriously if they were like, "This is thunder and this is lightning." But if that dude did it, I'd be like, "Shit, I am not gonna be here for the storm." <laughs> Alex, you, uh, you disconnected, buddy. I think you think you're gonna refresh. Refresh. But yeah, I don't know. Like from the game design standpoint, it is really neat to 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 watch the synthesis of uh of everything go through on such a huge project and like, yeah, seeing what sticks and what doesn't. And he had a huge play test. Um, so. so, favorite project? Because Alex is uh, taking a breather, I guess. Um, I'll talk about what I got. Um, so, something kind of cool. I don't know if you've ever seen Dungeon Painter Studio. It was on a website for a long time. Not. Um, it basically is a cartography um, software. 
Yeah. And they moved it over to Steam, and they actually developed into like a whole program. And uh, I actually took a look at it today. I bought it. It's like fifteen bucks or something. Oh, dude, it is awesome. I mean, it's it's really like simple, but like you can add your own assets and everything really simply. Um, you can toss things. It's awesome. Um, that's how I'm doing a lot of uh, layouts for our stuff now, um, or I plan to make a bunch of maps with it. Um, but literally, you can just like that man. It does walls. It does different types of ground. They have like all these built-in assets and everything. How much is does it cost? Used. Fifteen bucks. How much? Fifteen. 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 Okay. And yeah, it's it's like it's fifteen bucks. I mean, you can and you can add your own assets to it really easily. That's what I was doing right before we uh, came on. Actually, I'm like, oh shit, I'm turn all of it off. Um, but it's it's just really interesting to like just play around with. It's so robust, so easy to use. Like if you know how to use like Illustrator and Design, you're just gonna be like that. Um, okay. And I know. Oh, no, I've gotten really good at using Paint.net to make maps. No, I'm not saying that like, you can't do. Like keep doing that. But this is just a super simple tool. I'm just like, I made a map in like 10 minutes. Okay. Um, now I would probably need to pull out, polish that for another hour or two before I was happy with it. But like, to just lay out a map really quick, just, it's super easy. Does it have, so like what, what built-in assets does it have? Does it have like medieval, futuristic, yep. Yep. You know, it has, barrels and it has shit? A bunch, yeah, it has all that. It all, but a lot of them are like 